Want to be a voice actor and book more gigs? Then watch the free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com. Change into voiceover champions to save the voiceover world. Hello, everybody, and happy Thanksgiving. This is Joshua Seth. I'm your host, and the show is VoiceOver Champions. If this is your first time here, this is a show about voice actors who've made it to the top, how they got there, and how you can do it too. And if you don't know me, I was one of those VoiceOver Champions back in the early 2000s. Took a break from voice acting for a few years, and now that I'm back, the industry's changed. So I'm talking to some of my old VoiceOver friends, some of my new friends from the Comic-Con circuit, picking their brains, finding out what are their secrets to success, and sharing those with you. And today on the show is one of my favorite people in voiceovers, Mela Lee. Mela is having a bit of a moment, and it is so well-deserved. A few years ago, she was involved in a traffic accident where she was hit, ended up in the hospital with a broken neck, and didn't know if she'd work again. Now, with over 500 credits to her name and a brand new song just released, her career is really taking off like never before. Her voice acting has recently been featured in New York Today Magazine's Spotlights on Voice Acting, as well as in LA Weekly, and now here on the podcast. Guess good things really do come in threes. But before we get to that, I want to thank everybody for listening. This is our 10th episode. You know, something like 90% of podcasts don't make it past the 10th episode. It's a lot of work. People don't realize that when they first get into it. But this show has seen so much growth already just in the few months that I've been doing it, that I'm in this for the long haul. I hope you are too. And if you like the show, tell a friend, maybe even give it a five-star rating and review. I haven't asked for that so far, but like I said, we're getting some traction and we even have a chance of breaking the top 100 in careers podcasts on Apple Podcasts. So it'd be good to keep that going. Feed that algorithm. And one last thing before I get to today's guest, I will be appearing this weekend, Thanksgiving weekend, at the Grand Strand Comic Con in Myrtle Beach. So if you're in the area, stop by. Would love to say hi. And now, on with the show. Mela Lee is best known as the voice of Lifeline in Apex Legends, Jade in Mortal Kombat, Tiki in Miraculous Ladybug, and Rin Tosaka in the Fate franchise. Mela's versatile voice has endeared her to fans worldwide with over 500 credits. And apparently she met me on her very first gig voicing anime. We get into that and a whole lot more. This is a fascinating interview with a lot of insider info for listeners who are in the voiceover field. But everybody can gain so much from listening to Mela, and I think you'll really enjoy this episode. So let's get to it. Hello, Mela. <laughs> Hello, Joshua. We're playing a bit of your your hallelujah song, another hallelujah. It's just so great. That's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on now is that is such a good song. Where did that come from? I only know you as a voice actor. Which came first, the singing or the voice acting? And how did you come up with such a great song, like seemingly out of the blue? Um, I did come up with it out of the blue. I was a singer first before a voice actress, but um, I was kind of, I had a rough 
2020, 2021, along with a few other people on the planet. Yeah, I lost a couple of friends to cancer and to heart attacks and to COVID. And um, I broke up with a a longtime love. And just I appreciated being alone during the pandemic because I got to process my grief in all of those instances. But grief is kind of like a a wave. and, And at first you think you'll drown in it. But in the final stages, it kind of pushes you to shore. And you're not through it all, but you realize that life is going to start again. And that was what this song was about. So I was kind of humming it in my house. You know, oh, open your eyes and you're noticing. You're feeling different. Things are going to cherry. Oh. And so also that, oh, 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 oh. It's kind of. Yeah, it's yeah. got this kind of, I don't know, I just was singing it. And um, I had uh, met my friend Keith Harris from the Black Eyed Peas. I wondered about that, how you got hooked up with a, you know, such a professional level production on this. Well, we have a lot of mutual friends. And they actually invited us on to a clubhouse conversation about things that have changed recording during the pandemic and remote recording. And Keith was talking about remote recording music and I was talking about remote recording voiceover we kind of messaged each other like we should write together um, yeah so I was kind that's of, how these collaborations start yeah. it's just with a friendship sometimes and I was nervous I, I wanted it to be perfect and I'm definitely not a good engineer when it comes to music that's a whole other thing it's, its, own, it's like, its own language mm-hmm. and Keith said just sing it into your voice note but he wrote an arrangement said, get over here and it was so wonderful because I'd been out of recording music for obviously two years because of the pandemic and there was this feeling that we were going to get to collaborate and create and perform again and I think you hear that in the song oh yeah absolutely in fact well the first thing when I heard that song I I had to text you and say like this is just amazing like you did amazing work on it and then and then I saw some credits on the music video and I'm like oh wait a second who who's this producer he worked with the black eyed peas he did I'm a bee like this is this he's is he's uh, touring with this, them right now. Yeah, this is he's big a... time. This could be the start of uh, <laughs> a whole nother career. And I know something about that, having having started in voiceovers myself, and and now circling back. Speaking of which, you said uh, off camera before we started, you said that we actually met years ago. I thought that we'd met just doing Comic Con conventions together. So where did we right. meet? Um, well, not my first voiceover job, but my first anime job was St. Tail for Tokyo Pop. Oh my and gosh, that was at least 20 years ago. Yeah, it was like the very first. And, um, you know, I uh, can't remember, was it Steve? What's Steve's last name? There was a director and, and Steve and Melora Hart. They were so okay. kind. Was, Probably Steve Kramer. Done. Kramer, yes. Yeah. I'd never done dubbing before and they taught me everything I needed to know. And you were the lead, the other lead in that. And I remember just looking up to you and thinking, oh, my gosh, and he does magic. And you're yeah. really quite lovely. And you're like, you know, good luck, kiddo. And and I hope I turned out. I hope you're proud of me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You just have a wonderful voice. What an amazing career that you've had so far. And if that song is uh, indicative of your potential, it's it's only just beginning, even though you've been doing it for 20 years now. So. Yeah, so let so let's get into that. Like, how did you start voice acting? Did you always know you wanted to voice act, or was it an outgrowth of music? Um, I was doing a little bit of music in two thousand and 
but getting ready to go to law school. So really? I Where were you just, at the time? Where were you based back then? Still I, in LA? I came to Los Angeles, yeah. And I, um, I was doing some jobs and some music and enjoying, but really just thinking, okay, over the next four years, I need to pay off my student loans so I right. can enjoy law school. I mean, as much as you can enjoy law school and mock trials and everything, I just didn't want to have a job during mm -hmm. law school. I really wanted to focus. And I had watched my mother go through law school. And I think it was really important not to have another job. And so I kept picking up occasional anime and then by default some ADR because it's the similar uh, skill set, especially automatic dialogue replacement yeah. for those not in the know. Yes. <laughs> and um, so, I mean, it was fun, but I didn't know anyone that was a professional voice actor. I didn't know that was really possible. Mm -hmm. It was like being a professional dodgeball player. You know, like I'm sure it's a thing, but I'd never met anybody right. that did yeah. that. And, and of so, course, back then, that was before social media and YouTube and all the resources we have now to find out about such it, things. It actually was. And so I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I didn't know how popular the things were. And so I was getting ready to go to law school. And I did, um, I did Rose and Maiden and Fate Stay Night and, and uh, Yuki Cross for Vampire. And, and I really enjoyed those. Uh, the storytelling was exquisite and they were all about girls who didn't know who their parents were or were separated from their father um, which resonated with me fairly deeply and then I went to comic-con in 2010 and I'd never been to a comic-con I thought it was going to be like this is the comics big, the big one in San Diego you mean yeah but I didn't know I, I thought you're, you want to take me to a hotel and that'll be free and feed me. That sounds great. <laughs> I thought I would be like kind of in a, like a large yard sale, you know? Like, yeah. So yeah. Got, and then you got no there content. and there's what over None. well over a hundred thousand people even back then, I'm sure. It was overwhelming and mm -hmm. in a good way, but I still just didn't quite understand what was happening. And I had a friend I'd met ironically through music, um, Walter, who's the black power ranger. He was like, Mello, why didn't you tell me you're in this anime? And I thought, because you're not a 14 year old girl. Like, I didn't understand how right. big this love story was. Right. And, and he said, Excuse me. And he turned around and he had this uh, bag. They give you these free bags at Comic Con. And uh -huh. that year, um, I think there was some TV show on one side and then Yuki Cross from Vampire Night on the other. And I, your I said, character you is, yeah, the, the, it, that must have been a moment <laughs> for you to realize how big this character had become. Yeah, and, and I, I got an email that night saying would I like to go to Melbourne and Auckland. And they had found me through my band website. I didn't have mm. a voiceover website at the time. And they said, we have a masquerade ball. Can we fly your, you and your band out to Australia and New Zealand for three weeks, all expenses paid, plus were these, money? Were these plus... for the Comic-Cons? Yes. And I thought, oh. well, okay, Nigerian prince. Like, right, right. <laughs> But it, yeah, yeah, I remember the first time, you're right, I forgot, the first time that one of those requests came in, I'm like, well, buy the tickets, you know, when I see the actual plane tickets, then it must be real. Right, and, and that promoter sent me to Sydney, Adelaide, Melbourne, Auckland twice, and London mm -hmm. Comic Con that year, and was that, that for, was all from the for probably anime. Armageddon and uh, Supernova? Uh, Armageddon, Supernova, the yeah. yeah, and then uh, MCM, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, 
you know, for the band, it was great too. We, we were like the best unsigned band and then we got a record deal. And again, I thought, you know, this is fun. It's not going to last. I'm going to enjoy it. And then I'll go to law school. I don't know why I kept thinking that. And so you, so this law school idea stuck with you for like a decade. (laughs) Well, it's like a real job. I mean, and (laughs) then I understood all of a sudden that this was a real job. And I had been in a car accident in 2014 and and I woke up like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz and like Jason Charles Miller and uh, Yuri Lowenthal, Tara Platt, the Bang Zoom producers, um, the Breaking Bad sound supervisor. It was like, and you were there and you were there. And I had all these amazing friends in the entertainment industry that were cheering me on to heal. They, I had That was fractured. a pretty serious accident, huh? That car yeah, accident. I fractured, fractured a lot of vertebrae. They made sure I had handicap accessible sessions. Um, it was just so lovely that I thought, listen, I go to law school and be miserable anytime. I think I'm going to give this voiceover thing like a serious go. And I met my friend Erica Lindbeck, and I remember having this conversation with her in 2015 when I was recovering. I said, you know, I'm going to, you know, I was learning how to walk again and getting better. And I said, you know, I, I think I'm going to take this voiceover thing seriously. She goes, me too. And and then about two weeks later, she came back and visited me and said, you're Mella Lee. And I said, I said, I, I know that's how I introduced myself. Yeah. I don't know where she, she's like, the Mella Lee. <laughs> it's like, uh, okay. She's like, you're Yuki Cross. And she like punched me. You're my high school. You're the reason why I'm a voice actress. And wow. I was like, wait, what? And she's like, well, and of course, Naruto. <laughs> and then I like, she's, mm-hmm. but, um. I think she's like, you're already a voice actress. And because my family wasn't, you know, they're all scientists and lawyers okay. and doctors. So they're it's not, not a, like you're It's a not a actor. real career, yes. And you know what? Uh, they're not entirely wrong. It's a gig. It's a gig after a gig after a gig. You know, there's no rhyme or reason to it. And you could be on top one day and without work the next. So they're not entirely wrong. But on the other hand, I get what you're saying about needing to believe in yourself. I mean, uh, hopefully for most people, it doesn't take a car accident to get to no, that point. But, but, but that's, what turned your, you, that's what turned you around, uh, it sounds like, to, to believing in your own potential and just going for it. The thing that you're already honestly doing at that point. Doing. Mm-hmm. And I think eight years in, I'd never stopped working. It occurred to me that I was actually already a full-time voice yeah. actor. Yes. You and made that- it. Uh, oh, okay. Um, but it was wonderful to then decide, like, if you're going to stay here. I think I just kind of metaphorically had a, a suitcase, like, um, as a guest in Hollywood, and I'm going to leave soon. Where Where uh, would you go back to? Where were you coming from? Um, either New York or London. I was going to, in my brain. I was had you lived in myself. both places? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah, I, yeah, I went to a college so, in New York City, and I always missed nice. it. Like, I definitely left a piece of my heart there in Manhattan. But yeah. the industry, at least at that time, it was just LA. Like you went to Los Angeles mm-hmm. if you were going to be serious about this. Now, of course, everything's remote. That doesn't need to be the case. But you know, back when you're talking about, certainly. Is, I was in it, the right place at the right time, for sure. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that you seemingly, you went there for law school, but because you were there, you were able to have proximity to all these voiceover opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. And life's funny yeah. that way. It kind of is. And it's interesting to look back and see that I was my own glass ceiling. You have a lot of good lines, Mella. Yeah. That's a good, that's a, like, you, like, man, you're just a very deep person. Like, every time I've met you, I have walked away thinking, 
is a very kind, genuine, heartfelt, deep person. Do you get that a lot? Or is, is that just what I'm getting from you? Um, I, I, I mean, I can be funny. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad I'm getting into that funnier side in animation. I uh, mean, when, when you, when you, I didn't, walk... I didn't mean that as a negative. Like, oh, no, like no, I, I'm a, I, I like that. I, I like that people aren't person. all just pebbles skipping a, uh, along the, the surface of the water. Like, it's nice to see what's underneath. I think my life has uh, mandated a depth that enables me to find joy. That's my, I'm, I'm fluent in joy in any situation. And I think that that creates a depth having gone through a, a somewhat difficult childhood and, and some catastrophic injuries. Uh, you learn how to just be very present, I think. And, and especially when you're still, when you are recovering from an injury, you have a lot of time to think um, about things. And I think that I've always been a heady child. And what's interesting is, is I was kind of a nerd as a child. Uh, and then now we're in an industry, you and I, where we go to conventions filled with all our people. So we <laughs> thought we were one in a million, and now we're just a million, you know, part of this yeah. huge movement. Of the, the nerds have taken over society, that's for sure. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I'm not mad. <laughs> it's, it's popular culture now. What was, it, what was very niche when you and I started uh, is, is everywhere. So that's good. That's good for you and me and, and the industry. But I keep meaning to ask you, have you made a full recovery from that accident now? Or is that something that you're still doing? Um, I, I think I'm pretty close. I mean, I have about six to eight months of personal training. I have a recovery training specialist now. So I'm, I'm in a place where I just need to get stronger. But I have recovered from the injury. It, it took a lot of incredible um, practitioners, doctors, sports medicine people, and and also you know, seeing wounded warriors and, and, and my MMA friends recover from catastrophic injury at such a high level that it changed my expectations of what was possible, regardless of what doctors said. Um, like Boss Rutten, I met during this time and Majid Rais and, 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 you know, some wrestling uh, friends I'm sure you meet on the circuit. And they're just so disciplined and kind and redefining possible on the regular. And, so now I'm just uh, looking forward to training, getting strong enough um, in the summer to be doing my sword training and, you know, gun weapons training. Um, so I can what? do more. Well, I want to do In more, real life, um, you mean, not just Yeah, no, no. I, I want to do that because I can see myself. I'm telling you guys, voiceover is mm -hmm. amazing. Anyone listening to this, they're like, is it such a dream job? It's a dream job. Uh, I have the opportunity. There's a, a new game coming out in January. I had the opportunity in 2020 at the very end to do motion capture. And it Oh, is I've never done that. Did you have the little it, the little stickies all yes, over your body? Yes, you get to wear this cool Green scuba screen, suit. 360 yes. cameras. Wow. Like in the Matrix. And it's so much fun. And there's so much freedom. You don't, I mean, you have your marks, but you don't have to worry where to look. It's all captured. So it's unlike, and I love on camera, that's fine, but in the volume is what we call it, this huge room. Um, the cameras are 360, so you are literally just a seven-year-old playing. Mm -hmm. It's just this real world, and you have, you know, you're, you're a zombie. You're a, you are, you know. Um, a warrior, a, goddess, a princess. A warrior, whatever, princess. Yeah. And I mean, heck yeah. Sure, I that it. sounds amazing. So, and now, you know, let's, we sort of skipped over this, but. You've done a lot of work and played a lot of well-known characters over the years. Let's just take a moment, if you could, 
just run through some of your most well-known characters if you can do the voices or do the catchphrases. Okay. You know, that'd be fantastic. Um, Lifeline from Apex Legends. Mozambique, yeah. Um, from Mortal Kombat. Um, you seem confident. Now you seem overconfident. Reen Tosaka from the Fate series. Yuki Cross from Vampire Night. Rachel Alucard from Blaze Blue. Um, Tiki from Fire Emblem. And don't forget me, Young Tiki, also from Fire Emblem. And, um, let's see, Kikimura from the Owl House. You are the future of the Isles. Um, I'm sure there's a few. <laughs> That's more, fantastic. But... My kids watch Owl House now. Some of oh, these I only know because I have a nine-year-old and eleven-year-old as well, so I'll have to tell them. People are listening yeah. are going to be mad that I forgot Tiki from Miraculous Ladybug. Everybody That's kind of has a, big a little one. something inside of them to make them miraculous, especially you. So yes. That's fantastic. What a range! Great range and resonance and feeling, and you know, voiceovers is about so much more than just being able to read and talk into a mic. Like every one of those very specific characters that you just gave us has its own hook, its own feeling, its own sort of connection to character. Mm -hmm. Do you have a process by which you find that or, or is it just something that comes intuitively to you? Uh, some of it's intuition, but I, I've helped a few friends that are film actors and rock stars become voice actors. And I created a method called Authentic Voice Resonance. Um, Ooh, I like it's that. Called, it's the when method. So the W is who, what, where, when, and why. Being very specific. I is innocence. And children are innocent, but that doesn't mean good or bad. It just means a lack of judgment, right? Mm. So you have to have an innocence when you're creating, so you're not judging yourself. You're just your seven-year-old that's playing, you know. I mean, when you go out onto the playground, uh, for 15 minutes in school, you're not planning your playground time. You literally are completely present. You have 15 minutes. I'm a ballerina. I'm a tree. I'm a spaceship. I'm a rocket. Nobody's like, do I have the tensile strength to be an aerodynamic projectile? Like none of that. You just are because you say you are. And everybody's in the world. You're not thinking, you know, do cowboys live in space? I mean, everyone's just playing. And you create multiple universes in 15 minutes. And you come back and you go back to math. And you don't come back going, I wonder if I was a really good tree. It's none of that judgment. So there's an innocence that's it's necessary when you're creating, especially in animation and games. And then the N for the win method is natural expansion. Once you've been specific about who you are and where you are, and you've stopped judging yourself, uh, you, there's a natural expansion of a character that goes beyond you, becomes this entity or a being. It's very organic, uh, but you're just the the touch point or the touchstone, and then it becomes something beautiful. And anyone listening to this, how you get to that specific specificity, I call it the undeniable art of specificity, is that you have your top 10 influentials, influential beings. So these are the people that loved you the most, hated you the most, hurt you the most, inspired you the most. Um, when you think of these people, and, and I say beings, because sometimes for people, like for me, it's animals too. It could be a, yeah, it could um, be a puppy. Sure. There is an instant quantum biochemical response when you mm -hmm. are thinking of this person. And if you are either speaking to one of these people or you are one of these people in your scene, um, especially in voice acting, you have to have a quick shorthand. 
there is an instant exquisite math that is so resonant that even if people don't understand it, they know you are bringing something different to a character. It just resonates when it's real for you. Mm -hmm. And some people will come up to me, I'm sure they do to you as well. Oh, I can do voices. And they try to imitate people. And I say, you can't cash the check without your signature. There you go. That's another one of those mellow lines. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I've always declined to do impressions because mm -hmm. my objective as a voice actor, as, as, as an actor, is to inhabit the character. And that's really yes. what you're talking about, is having the technique and the permission to play, to be able to mm -hmm. get to the point where the character can be an extension of you. Yes. And, and it's important because once you, even like your bullies, they become your money, you know? And we all mm. think we're the hero in the story, but, you know, we're the villain in someone else's. And so sometimes we, we think we're so far removed from the people we look up to or the people that have hurt us, but there's, there's something of them inside of us. And we get to put that into our work and, and give a depth of understanding. Um, and, and it takes away, I think, the, the math of, of before, because there is no before. I'm all into time and quantum physics. Like those people came into your life, they are literally a part of the exquisite math of you. And now when, when you get an audition or a play or a song, your job is to bring you into it, not someone else. Mm. And that instantly, the I think, takes The uniqueness of away, you. Yes. The nerves. I, That's I'll, why there's no, there's, there's no competition, really. It's just yeah. a matter of being brave enough to bring the fullness of your experience to that character or role. I, I just love mm -hmm. this. Everything that you're talking about it speaks of the value of living a life and bringing yes. the experiences of that life and not judging it good, bad, or the other, but, but bringing every person, every place, everything that you've ever come into contact with into the portrayal of the character that you're doing. And, and that, is, that is really what separates an actor from someone pretending to be a character. Mm -hmm. And I, I see that even some of my friends that are models and um, like they they rely on just their body, but there's so much more to them. And so sometimes there's this imposter syndrome that comes from them thinking, I have to get my body super perfect because what else is there? And I'm like, all of it, all of it is there. You strike me as someone that does not deal with imposter syndrome because everything that you're talking about is being authentic to you, to the experience of you. I think I did uh, struggle with it a little bit because I didn't think I was staying here. I didn't have the same trajectory as everyone else. Mm. But, um, you know, having a catastrophic injury and I had some other things happen in my life in the last six years, like like meeting my biological dad was pretty wow. intense. And um, you just become very present and you have a choice to either hide or celebrate, you know, and I decided to celebrate myself like I was a holiday so I could give <laughs> people permission to do the same. All these things I realized, especially in our industry, and I'm sure you do too, when people come up to and speak to us and, and tell us what our work means to them, I understood the depth of forgiveness that I needed for myself and others because if I didn't, there would be people watching me who would follow that example. And it's a good point. Uh, I, I felt like, well, 
what do I want to leave in the world? Especially when the world was ending in 2020. It's like you, you have this kind of concept that this, this is it, you know? And if this was it, what would I want to leave in the world? And it would be mm. me. I'd, I'd want... That you'd made a difference and made an impression, a positive impression on people. If only to let someone else feel like they mattered and, and, and that they were the thing that I, I wanted to meet most or they were what the world needed most. I get that and, from you. Whenever I, uh, whenever I have met you in person, you are very present and very connected to that moment. Mm -hmm. That's a discipline that, uh, for me anyway, it has it's taken a lot of conscientious effort. I mean, I, I actually wrote a book on finding focus in a changing world. And the, the, pur the purpose or the point of the book being that it's through focus and connection to the present moment and the person or the thing that is in front of you right then and there uh, that we find depth and meaning and purpose to our lives, not through all these strategies and planning and, mm -hmm. and looking ahead or, or looking back, but, but being with the experience that is unfolding in that moment. I'm not the first person to have addressed that, but I, I feel that from you just intrinsically as well as whether that was an outgrowth of your accident and the introspection that you have had since then, or it was part of your character. Like it's very powerful to, to have that when you walk into a room, it's, that's the thing that allows you to, to radiate energy and seem bigger than life. At least you do to me. And I believe mm. it's because of that. I love that. Thank you. Um, I think some of it is experience, you know, in my life to be present. I'm very grateful for having done some disaster relief and, and work with first responders. And I think that work also, uh, you are aware in a, in a first response in a disaster <laughs> plans mean nothing. Um, the mm. people that, that were more uh, virtue signaling and, and presenting um, their desires to help people, it's the very most unexpected people that are willing to, you know, put on the waiters and, and really get into the muck of it all. And you start to understand that people have value outside of being just like you. Um, I love... I love disaster relief and, and not that I like love disasters, but in that moment, there's no politics. There's no cult. There's, there's no culture. You're just human beings mm, and you're not, together. you're not checking people's voting cards, their, their religions. You don't care how old they are. You don't have much money they make. You are all in it together. And one of my hashtags is we rise together. It's absolutely true. We're humans first. The rest is all just accessories and wardrobe and you don't we don't have the the luxury of adhering to all those trappings in a disaster because all of it is stripped away it just becomes a matter of survival yeah yeah and and in, that's where truth is and everybody is a great equalizer again it's not that i want disasters to happen we live on planet earth and you know, personal tragedies and, and natural disasters are just a thing of the human experience here on this planet. But there is a, an, a connection and a, an experience. I think pain unites a people. So other abused children, uh, um, people that have gone through similar relationships and, and we're lucky enough on this planet, regardless of politics, we all just went through a pandemic together. We may not have experienced it in the same way, but 
in our lifetime, Joshua, I mean, that's never happened. We've all experienced something. There is a touch point in time that human beings all understand. A traumatic, life-changing event that affected everyone on the planet, and certainly not equally, but that we all went through. Uh, yeah, you're on to something there. And it, it reminds me of a, a Buddhist philosophy, I believe, which is that it's uh, suffering that unites people because it's a shared, ex shared human experience. Mm -hmm. The yeah. only really shared human experience. Let's, now, I don't want to bum out the listeners too much. Let's, <laughs> let's switch tax here a little bit. This is a, uh, a, a voiceover. I love that this was like, you were asking me, like, are you a deep person? I'm like, Oops, yeah. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Uh I've been no, I love, I love it. I love it. But I actually have like a whole page full of questions here let's to get to with you as well. So let's. So we've we've we talked about the philosophy. We talked about uh, your voice acting technique and how you got into it and how it relates to singing and uh, your background and all that. Let's talk about what, what you're, how you're doing what you're doing today. So you're still in Los Angeles, but I imagine during that pandemic that you put together a home recording booth. Is that something that you find that you're still using and, and what percentage of your work is, is now being done at home? You know, uh, I'm lucky enough to say about 60, 40, 60 outside. I mean, going to Warner Brothers and to the Sony lot is the best. I'm so excited that we get to leave the house. Um, it was a mad dash in April 2020 to get everything ready. Um, it was made very clear to us, if you don't have a home studio, you won't be working. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the technically challenged Mela, there was no choice but to to call on friends and learn very quickly. So yeah. that was April of 2020. And by May, I was doing um, Disney, Amazon, Netflix, whole series upstairs. Wow. In, in, do you in still have my... the same setup? I do. I do. And- you know, can you describe that for us? Like, what what is it? I can. Of, yeah. Um, I live in in a uh, a townhome apartment building, and there is travertine tile on the inside, uh, all five levels. So, one hundred percent not echo. ideal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, for those of you that don't have the ideal situation, anything you're watching from, you know, Usagi Chronicles on Netflix, Do Re Mi on Amazon, um, uh. Uh, Owl House for Disney. Uh, all of those were done in a not ideal environment. I have a vocal booth to go, and it, it was double padded, um, soundproof to I don't know sixty d. I have no idea of all these d dBs. Um, I have uh, a mini Mac, and I'm running Logic, and I do have access to Neumanns, but I prefer there is Andrew Monheim who helped me put everything together. He made a custom mic. It's called a cream, the creme, uh, Monheim custom cream. And now it's available if you guys want to look up Monheim mics. What was brilliant about the custom cream is that I can go from one to 10 and it has some compression on it. So I don't have to change mics for audiobook or animation or games. So I did Apex Legends as well, home on that microphone. And I used to just shake because I was so nervous uh, before each session because I thought I'm going to forget something. You know, I'm going to forget to push record because we would do the backups and it was a lot. There's a lot of extra but, technical work 
now mm-hmm. that comes into play when you're doing it from home. But well, you've had everyone, a couple of years. I imagine it's uh, old hat <laughs> to you by now. But everyone who is coming into voiceover now knows how to record themselves. So uh, there's an unfair advantage. Like they, they've never known anything else. You can be anywhere in the world. And I think we could have been five years ago, but producers didn't want to take the time. But now- not have any reason to change. Yeah. And now why should they world. change back? They have access yeah. to more. A lot more talent, yeah. What interface do you use with that custom mic? You know, I have an SSL2. Uh, I don't know that one. It, it, you know, I actually had a, thun, uh, a UAE, um, I guess it's called Thunderbolt. I can't remember the name of it. I have like a super expensive Apollo Thunderbolt. I know that one, and Yeah, yeah but the SSL2, uh, Erica Lindback recommended it, and it's just amazing for voiceover. Um, it's, it's, you know, maybe this big, <laughs> she puts her hands up. Nobody else can see. It's like six inches across and dual channel and just clean. It doesn't add too much character to the voice, which is important. Yeah. That's all that matters. They want a clean signal without processing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm using a Rodecaster Pro because I got it for this mm. podcast, but I, I have to turn off audio processing in order to do right. a session now. So what's the point of having all those bells and whistles? Yeah, and it's interesting. I just sold the the Apollo because I think I'm going to get another SSL too for for when I'm doing um, Twitch, which I'll start doing in December. I do not understand what Twitch is. Let's just a little sidebar here. What is Twitch? And like, <laughs> you can stream on anything now. It's streaming, right? So why not just stream on Instagram or YouTube or TikTok? Um, why Twitch? Why Twitch, Mella? Why Twitch? Uh, Twitch is for gamers and musicians, and you have the ability to to talk real time. I guess you do on YouTube as well, but Twitch is kind of geared more towards the the gaming and music community. And um, with so Discord, specific you audience. Have, yeah, and and it's it's a little bit more real time and they sponsor you and subscribe and it's it's kind of its own personality, uh, visually speaking. And then and then you can cut down your two or three hours of streaming of gaming um, and then make something for YouTube. So I, I think it's wonderful for the live expression, and especially during the pandemic. Um, you know, so I wait. Can watch are you? Do you actually games. spend hours gaming? Like you're going to be gaming on Twitch? You do? No, I do not. No, who I has time that's actually making stuff? Oh, that's what, they yeah. do. Some people have all the time in the world. Those people don't have hours. kids. I can tell you that. <laughs> I do not. Yeah. I don't either. Um, my Twitch is. Um, it was more like I'm writing a book, so I'll be reading. Um, uh, if we're at rehearsal, they get to see us writing songs. Um, mm. uh, you know, all, all of the networking that you can make mm-hmm. through social media and I guess Twitch and these streams <laughs> that you're doing. So now, what advice do you have for people wanting to get into the voiceover business now? You'd mentioned people that have just gotten into the business over the past couple of years. During the pandemic, they all know how to record themselves. They all have the capability of putting together their own booths. So beyond that, what advice do you have for people wanting to pursue voiceovers as a career now? Um, right now, one of the best things, the free resources you have are podcasts like this, because these are your peers. This is how you get to know Mela and Josh and our life stories. And, um, you know, there are the performance capture podcast, this podcast. I mean, you have the opportunity to meet the people that you desire to work with. Um, number two, you know, 
what's your passion? What lights you up? Like, make sure that the jobs you're pursuing are on your love list. Because at first people just think, I can do anything. Um, but what do you really want to do? I mean, you might yeah. be into quantum mechanics and theory and you'd be great for educational text um, and educational videos. Um, do you want to narrate? Are you a big reader? Um, I, I extemporaneously, extemporaneously read um, very easily. And so, you know, audiobook has been something I also get to do. But I Do you like I'm that? Good... Everybody I've interviewed that do, does audiobooks cautions me off the air not to do it because it's so much work. Well, I don't do it all the time. So, so I'm very lucky choose. that, yeah, I'll have authors that will ask for me um, because they are recently uh, on rotation by Sherlina Wobe. She is um, this incredible, she's a doctor. She, during her residency, she got a, a book deal, finished a book. She's also an illustrator and she loves anime. So to have me narrate her book was mm -hmm. like uh, a dream wish list. And There's that was specific, cool. specific projects that you do. <laughs> You're really talking about picking your lane. And yeah. in every area yes, of am. entertainment, that is very good advice because we all have limited resources in terms of time and money mm -hmm. to invest and energy Don't and pick do your all lane. things to all people. Pick your lane. Mm -hmm. Are you are you into animation? You know, are you a gamer? Um, do you understand that? You know, are you on camera? But you'd also like to be in the new storytelling medium of games, which is our new feature films. Mm -hmm. A feature film is two hours. Red Dead Redemption was 130 hours of content. So. There's no shortage Whoa, of jobs. That is a big gig. You know, yeah. you people don't realize, but you can go in and you can voice record an entire movie in a couple of sessions because mm -hmm. they just stack up hundreds of lines and you do them out of context and you trust your director. But something like that with a video game with hundreds of hours of content, that would be much a much bigger gig, actually. Like a year, 18 months sometimes. And mm. and you know, there's so much work, understand what it is and just see what you love and put that first. And when you make your demo, don't be like, I'm all things to all people. Go ahead right. and make your demo is your resume of your dream job. So if you, you love games and you want to be in interactive games, look at the games that you love and, and, and emulate those in your demo. Wait, I want to I want to highlight that advice because I did the opposite when I started in voiceovers. What I wanted to do was impress people with my talent and what Me I too. right <laughs> and what I should have done was figure out what you're saying. What do I really want to do? What area of voiceovers do I want to be in? And equally important, how do people hear me? What sorts of projects uh, mm -hmm. am I bookable for? And instead, I put like 200 voices in two minutes. And uh, and that just yeah, all but that it does is confuse people. But it was a different um, business. I, it was different business. Was. There was a much higher barrier to entry. You could only work if you were physically located where the work was, which was New York right. or LA, and only if you were signed with one of a half a dozen agents. So if I were to do it, well, I am doing it again. I actually i I just had a recording session with an engineer out in Hollywood that made my first demo thirty years ago, Mark Grau. Mm -hmm. And okay. we were, we're putting, we're refreshing my demo since I'm getting back into this now. And, and I did the sort of self-assessment that you're recommending. And even though everybody that knows of me knows of me for voicing anime, what I really pursued when I was out there and what I was most successful at uh, monetarily in terms of the career was as a promo guy, was voicing promos. Obviously. So is it is it Probably. obvious cuz I don't yeah. have I don't have the voice of God, but 
But, it, you know, it was all that, you know, Saturday morning programming. I did that for two networks. And that was my biggest gig out of everything. So that's what we were working on refreshing was the, the promo reel because of what you are saying, that you have to pick a lane. You have to decide what do you want to spend your time and energy pursuing and where will people be willing to hire me? And when you can get a match between those two things, then you have a direction in which to go. Right. And I'm, I'm updating my reels as well. Like they're four years old and, and, and I was just working so much that now I'm going to make reels of actually all the stuff I've done. Yeah. So, but I get to to be in. I get Mm -hmm. to dream what I'd like to do. And I'd like to do more motion capture. I'd like to do, um, I'd love another legacy game that's really story driven. Um, you know, I, I want, I could totally see myself as warrior goddess and warrior queen in a fantasy, you know, show or is, is there a specific my... show or game or project that you'd like to be involved in? You can start to manifest it just by saying it out loud here. <laughs> um, I'm actually in a few of them and I can't say yet. Yeah. Um, but, you know. Those darn NDAs. Yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd, you know, I love being in the Marvel universe, but I'd like to, you know, dip more into the Marvel DC um, LOTR kind of vibe. Uh, just fantasy. And I... I just think there's a place, you know, for me uh, in that. So I, I guess I'm manifesting that. Warrior queen, warrior goddess. That's you know? who you are, Mella. That is who you are. <laughs> and so, of course, you're going to voice those kind of characters. All right. Now it's time for questions from the fans. <laughs> so I put the call out on Instagram and Twitter. So I'm going to be interviewing Mella today. And what? Would you like me to ask her? Let's let's look at Twitter first, just in case uh, okay. it goes down and, and self-destructs and disappears while we are recording <laughs> this, which might happen. You never know. Because nobody's right, so, at the office right now, right? <laughs> right. So the, the first question here is by Jovan asks, uh, what were the auditions for Miraculous Ladybug like? Ooh, hi, Jovan. And what a great uh, question. You know, they went on for months. Actually. Really? And, um, you know, I believe Christina and I were auditioning for both Tiki and Marinette over and over again. Um, and then, you know, when we finally got cast, we had a, a live. We were, I thought it was just going to be me, but it turned out everyone was there in the cast. And I had a terribly sore throat, like could barely speak. And I don't know if you guys know Tiki's very like Tiki's very. She's very like in the squeaky. And so. Uh, I was a little nervous and we had an episode where I was playing two characters. One was Stormy Weather. Um, it didn't end up being the first episode that aired, but the entire team from France, they had a like one of those old fashioned like speaker uh, things on the table. They were listening to the read to make sure. So it was actually very nerve wracking. So you thought you already Especially got the job. Especially if it went on and on like that. That's not typical that auditions would <laughs> Yeah. And so you thought you got the jobs. Mm-hmm. But now they want to hear and see if it gels. So you weren't sure you got the job. And mm. then when we finished the episode, um, my session was supposed to be that day. And we waited for them to give the phone call to say, yes, she actually has the job. It's a yeah. little nerve-wracking. Yeah. What was that like when that call came through? <laughs> from your agent, I would assume. Uh, no, it was actually from the production team. Oh, really? Like, yeah. because they, they had just heard. And so they called mm-hmm. the director to say, yes, yes, we, we did make the right decision. But it was a strange thing because I didn't know that was an option when I went to work that day that they could be like, oh. Mm. 
And the rest, yes. as they say, is history. <laughs> I Next think we did a good job. I think so too. Next question, Oddish asks on Twitter, I've always mm -hmm. been curious about how voicing right now might have changed over the years in terms of interpretations of roles and what the industry wants itself. How, mm. how, how have the needs and expectations of the roles and the, the bookers changed over the years? You know, I love that, you know, my mother was born in London. So a lot of times, you know, fantasy, they just wanted you to be able to do mid-Atlantic or, or uh, RP, which is received pronunciation, like proper English. Um, and then sometimes they'd say, you know, as someone who's of, of mixed cultural background, <laughs> there was this kind of vibe like, well, how would your parents do it? And I thought, well, she'd probably be more British. And you know, They're trying to ask um, something in code that wasn't true. They were. Uh -huh. And it, what, what was interesting is, you know, there was like a Walmart commercial. Sorry that I've just called you guys out. Um, and I was, was just we like, guys? No, Walmart, because I know they're listening to your podcast. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm going to lose them as a sponsor. You know what? Screw it. Go for it anyway. Um, well, no, I mean, I never get these. They, they would just be like, I remember the first AA audition I got. And I was like. Alcoholics Anonymous? And they're like, no, African-American. And I said, oh, like from what city? They're like, you know, urban. urban. And my analytical brain was like, but from where? Los Angeles, mm -hmm. Atlanta, you know, Philadelphia, New York. These are completely different places. And they're like, you know, African-American. And this was at a time where there was like this kind of, you know, I'm going to get you sucker kind of thing like they were expecting. And I was so mad. I was like, fine. And Walmart, like I just did this absolutely over the top ghetto accent. I'm not going to book it. And I booked it. Oh, oh. Did that and piss then, you off? Because you felt like you're doing a caricature. What is happening? So when I got there, I, you know, I think they were like describing what they were actually looking for. And it was more like a New Yorican, you know, their, their, their spokespeople for that particular campaign were Puerto Rican. And I was like, that's a little different from Dirty South. And they're like, it is? What, what would that sound like? And so I understood that I was on an ISDN patch, which is like a, you know, a remote patch, that the advertising company didn't really understand the difference in cultural demographics. And I think what's really changed, mm. and gaming and anime have been really good about producing a lot more, um, I think, uh, diversity was that it used to be almost like the eight crayons in the box and now we have mm -hmm. we're you know the 300 and some odd um no distinction no nuance yeah there was no distinction mm -hmm. and and i i i wasn't born <laughs> you know inglewood is its own thing and there's a lot of people who live in philly inglewood you know um atl this is a vibe it's a real thing and i think now we've had the opportunity to discuss diversity and and, you know, the whole blurred community, the black nerd community, a lot of us grew up thinking that, you know, we were an anomaly. Obviously, there's millions. And so there's now a depth of characters that's coming on camera, but especially in games, multicultural, intelligent, different sizes, shapes. Um, you know, they want to give opportunity to to certain minorities that maybe have not had access, but they don't want to mask diversity as just another stereotype and what i think is beautiful is they're asking us now what would you like to see in this character hmm. instead allowing of, you to bring some of your own insights and experience to it yeah and and i think 
you know, doesn't matter your culture. Human beings are diverse, period. It will and make it better, is- too, because it'll be more interesting. And that's part of what makes people fascinating is our differences. And you're yeah. a- allowing that to, I, I like that analogy of the eight crayons in the, in the crayon box. You're allowing there to be a lot, a lot more shades to it. Yeah, and it was like, it's, it's, to a lot of us, it was learning another language. It's a foreign language. And then we started to realize that most of us were educated and like, uh, and it doesn't mean that you, you can also be from Inglewood and, and have that vernacular and be very educated. It's a cultural expression. And that's I a good that's point, too. It does, it's not befitting of a lack of education, but a different type of, of experience that is not what was being asked for. And I think the importance of diversity, we need to start thinking we would like a diversity of cultures. Because when it's just skin color, we're just in that eight Crayola box. But when we're talking culture, you know, that's like assuming all people that are Caucasian are from Ohio. But that's just such a depth. Get away from skin color. And I am from Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But I mean, that's not necessarily the case. I have blonde-haired, blue-eyed friends that live in Mexico City. And they're they're 100% Hispanic. And so let's talk about culture and and. Because that's where the depth is. And, that, and that's where I sometimes my Caucasian friends are like, I don't belong in the diversity conversation. But you do. Because we want to have a diversity of human experience. And if we, you know, our, our job isn't just to include the conversation of diversity shouldn't be let's include all eight stereotypes in the crayon box. There is a diversity of people that are all from Ohio, but they're not the same. Um, I think if we want diversity of human experience, of culture, that's really important. And that creates storytelling that elevates humanity. Wow. This has just been, this has been great. As we, as we move toward the close here, I know you're working on a lot of exciting projects right now that you can't tell us about. Are, <laughs> are there any upcoming projects or projects that were recently announced or released that you can tell us about that you're working on now? Uh, we have more Apex coming. I'm writing more music. Um, in 2023, it'll probably be a song a month. Um, but I have a new song, and, and I'll be doing some of our songs in, in uh, December, uh, posting on my Twitch and uh, my uh, Instagram, YouTube, everything. Uh, also, I'm trying to do them once a month. I've completely failed because I was blessed with tons of work. But please go to melalee.com and sign up for the newsletter. I'll be doing free voiceover workshops and guiding you to free uh, resources, but also some courses and classes that I recommend because it's going to be important to have free resources, but there's going to be a moment when you invest in your education. And I want to make sure that you're ready for that and you don't fall into the common pitfalls of, of maybe some teachers that have good intentions, but they might be teaching you how to make it in 2006. Um, need to know what the industry is now and, and what you should be doing because you might already have everything it takes and I don't want you to unlearn what makes you so special and extraordinary. I'll have your link in the show notes there. We good? We cover everything? Oh my gosh, you covered so much. Um, the world is an amazing, beautiful place. Everyone listening, you're extraordinary and exquisite. I hope that we've inspired you and made you you know, rethink reimagine what's possible in your life. And I'm so grateful that you invited me on the podcast. Well, I'm, I'm happy to have spent this time with you, Mela. I look forward to us hanging out at Comic-Cons in the future, mm-hmm. like we have been mm-hmm. over these past couple of months. And definitely for everybody out there, follow Mela, follow her music. Like, as big as she is in voiceovers, 
my instinct is she's going to be even bigger in the world of music because that debut song, Another Hallelujah, is just fantastic. Thanks, Mella. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I've got a question for you. Have you ever thought about getting into voice acting yourself? If so, check out my free intro to voice acting class at voiceoverchampions.com and become a voiceover champion.